Bible, let's uh, let's go together to Matthew 13. So the Lord uh, has kind of had us last couple weeks looking at sort of a theme, I guess, an unintentional series that He's just kind of been stacking up a little bit, and uh, I think tonight fits into it a little bit differently, and next week we'll fit into it a little bit differently, uh, and then it's like Super Bowl Sunday. Which will kind of change the game plan uh, a little bit that week, and then it's Mardi Gras, and then then we're into Lent. I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be a great couple weeks. Uh, so we're going to look tonight at a passage of scripture that uh, probably, if if you've been around church a little bit, you're familiar with it. Um, I've gone through this text with our elders, staff, staff, and interns. All of our ministry team leaders, all of our ministry teams. Uh, this is a passage, I believe, that it's it's a parable that has a lot of depth to it, a lot of things we can learn. And it's one, I believe, has probably influenced the way that we kind of do things around here at the ring, maybe, maybe more than a lot of times uh, I'm aware of and kind of realize. And so we're going to look at the parable of the sower. So two weeks ago we looked at you know, Jesus saying, don't be anxious about your life and how... How distracted it seems like we've been uh, collectively uh, over the past several months. And just kind of we're able to, I think, just hear from the Lord through the scriptures in that. And then last week looking at Mary and Martha and how Mary chose the good portion um, that she, I mean, she, knew, she knew where to find what she needed uh, based on how God had designed her. And she was just seated at his feet and just ready to hear from the Lord. And Martha, her sister, was taking care of a bunch of other stuff. She was very distracted. Mary was very not distracted. And so just the idea of Jesus taking us from being a lot like Martha and making us more like Mary in that single-mindedness. The parable of the sower, I I think, teaches us a lot about humanity and a lot about ourselves, a lot about other people. I think we can understand just a lot of things if we just kind of listen to him and let him teach us, uh, just like he did the disciples and those there. And so, uh, so you may want to kind of have an approach where you're, you're not only trying to find yourself in the message of the parable of the sower, but you're also ready to learn about the people that you're sitting around, the people that you're in community group with, the people that you work with, your family, people inside the room, outside the room, whatever. Uh, there's just a lot to look at. So verse 1, chapter 13, Jesus uh, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat um, and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower, okay, or a farmer, uh, went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky grounds where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched since they had no root. They washed away. 
Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And so, uh, you know, the, the basic premise is this guy's just like throwing seeds everywhere to plant. And based on where the seeds fall determines how healthy they are or whatever. That's kind of the, this, one of Jesus' many agricultural metaphors, you know, in his parables. And he's teaching um, the very agricultural community. And so a lot of people will be familiar with that. So he tells this parable, and I wonder if people were like, so what? You know, who cares? That was a random story from the rabbi. And so uh, the disciples came to him, and they asked him some questions, and they had this pretty interesting dialogue there. Uh, but then in verse 18, he explains what the parable means. Okay, and that's where we're going to zero in. Uh, verse 18 says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So we get this explanation uh, of the parable that, that I, believe, I believe he's trying to teach his disciples Something very important about people and about ministry and about God's desire and about some of the things to beware of. I think there's just like a ton of stuff in here. Um, so uh, the, the way that this sermon or whatever is going to be organized, we'll look at each kind of soil that's there. But we see in verse 19, two things that we need to know uh, what's represented. Uh, 19 says, when he, when he hears the word, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Okay? So there's two things. The seed, we know based on that verse, the seeds represent the word of the kingdom. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the truth that Jesus has come to reveal. All right? So this, this would be everything from uh, you are a sinner separated from God in need of a redeeming Savior, and His name is Jesus. Okay? Two things like the kingdom of God is open to you now, and everyone is invited regardless of what you look like, or how you talk, or where you're from, or what your issues are, what your struggles are. Everybody's invited to come through this one gate who is Jesus to things like, you know He loves you and you were created in His image and the world says all kinds of stuff about you, but Jesus sees a very, very different thing about you. Jesus has a plan for your life. A plan to prosper you, not to harm you. He sees all of time at once and He's sovereign over all of it and He knows how things are going to end. And so you don't know what's happening uh, in other parts of the world, or at your very house right now, but he sees it, and he gets it, 
He's taking all the bad things that are happening. He's bringing glory to himself out of it. Like all those kinds of things. The word about the kingdom. Any sort of truth about God, who he is, what he has done, who we are in light of it, all that stuff. That would be the seeds that this farmer is scattering out. We know that based on that verse. The other thing we know is it says that uh, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So the soil, the different kinds of soil, are talking about the different conditions of the heart for different people. So the heart, I mean, that's the core of who we are. It's where everything springs out of this. It's the wellspring of life. It's, it's where our identity is found. It's who we, who we really are. This is what was exchanged by Jesus on the cross. He's taken out our heart of stone, given us a heart of flesh, that when you cross from death to life, when John 3.16 happens for you, the heart is what is affected. And so we have to understand those two things. So that's what's being sown in people's hearts, is the truth about who God is. That's what's being scattered out. And that's what is happening in ministry, and that's what has been happening uh, since Jesus like, you know, came to the earth, and before he came to the earth, there's all this truth about who God is that's being scattered out there into people's hearts. And people are at different places in life and have different things going on, and so the condition of people's hearts is always going to be different. So I think Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand, like, look, everybody's not the same. Okay? And the problem is not ever, it's never the seed in the, in the parable. They were like, oh, that was a bad seed. It's like, no, the, the seed wasn't bad. The problem was the heart. The word of the kingdom is never, is never the issue. The issue is always going to be us. Remember in college, Fred Luter, who's the, he's the uh, SBC president, he's a pastor out of New Orleans, and he came and spoke at a TNT, and he made us all point at ourselves and say, I am the problem. Like He physically made us do it, and we're all like too cool for it at first, and then then he told us again in his pastor voice, and we all pointed ourselves like, I am the problem. And some people, we said, you need to point two fingers at yourself. <laughs> You're a double problem. Uh, just kidding. But, uh, but just that understanding that, that the issue is not going to be on God's side. It's going to be on our side. And so he gives four different heart conditions that, uh, that produce four different, very different results. The first one uh, we see in verse 19 it says, it's said in verse 4, this was the, the seed that fell along the path. All right? Now, so a path is exactly what you think it is. It's a place where people have walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. And that's how they traveled at that time. And if you go to Israel today, there are footpaths that you take that they've been taking for hundreds of years. Um, when you guys sent me to Israel a couple years ago, we were in this, this one place and we're walking away from Galilee up this mountain or whatever. And there's like these two big mountains and this one path that went in between them. And our guide, I think I told you this before, our guide said, this is the, this is the pathway that, that you took when you were going from Nazareth to Galilee. This is the way that you would walk it. And so just that realization that like, okay, I'm not stepping on the dirt that Jesus stepped on. But I'm looking at two mountains that he definitely, like, he looked at this scenic view, you know. You turn around, look back toward the Sea of Galilee. He definitely had this perspective at some point. And this path has been there for hundreds of years, and it is packed, and it is, it is a, it's hard as a rock. And it's just dirt, 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 but it's been packed down. And so that idea that, that these paths were everywhere, there was, nothing's going to take root on dirt that's been packed down and as hard as a rock. 
And that's what Jesus is saying, is that there are some who the, the word of the kingdom falls on their heart and it just almost like just, just, just bounces because it's so hard. And this is the thing about that hardness that it says when, verse 19, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. That's the hardness of heart. They hear it and they don't understand it. Now why, why would they not understand it? Well, hardness of heart can come in a number, in a number, of, a number of things. The, the first one, like the primary one, the hardness of heart, is, is, comes from sin. You know, that we are born separate from God, heart of stone, hardened by sin. And so the word of the kingdom hits a heart that is unredeemed and just, it just lays there. The seed has to be in soil in order to take root and grow. When, you're, when sin is the condition of your heart, the word of the kingdom doesn't, it doesn't penetrate through the hardness that's there. And so for some, that's the reason why uh, they might would come to church and walk away and be like, whatever, totally unaffected by it. Well, because in the heart of stone, that's what happens. There's other kinds of hardness as well that can, it can happen when, when your heart is like a path. You know, one time that all those paths in Israel, they were loose dirt, and people started just stepping on it and stepping on it and stepping on it and stepping on it. And cattle came through, and sheep came through, and more people came through and packed it in. And so, for some who are redeemed, their heart has been exchanged, heart of stone for heart of flesh, but their hearts have become hard because of sin. You know, just continual, repetitive, sinful choices. Um, sometimes it's from wounds. I mean, people just hurt you and hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. Um, people have lied to you. The world has lied to you. False narratives have lied to you. And you've, those, those narratives that we learn, the experiences of life, have taught us all these false things. And we've bought into these patterns of the world, and they just packed it down and packed it down and packed it down. And so the hardness of heart, the seed that's sown on the path, is really, really common. Super common. I mean, it's like 100% common under people who are not redeemed. It's also very common among people who are redeemed, and yet a lot of pain, a lot of bad choices, a lot of lies have come in and just packed that down. And so those are the folks that you, when you try to tell them, that God loves them, has a beautiful plan for their life, that their joy is not going to be found in other things but in Christ alone, and His love for them, and His care for them, and His plan for them, and they just pretty much dismiss it. They're like, no. As for everybody else, I'm sure that's the truth, but not me. Not for me. Because their heart has become like a path. And what does it say happens? The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. Evil one comes in like a little bird. I love it when God kind of insults the devil in the scripture like that. He's a little bird. Other place, he's a roaring lion. I wonder if Satan was like, oh, come on, man. Can it be the lion? It's like, no, you're a bird. Little dainty little bird. And he flies in. He just takes it right away. Word of the kingdom hits that heart. The person says, nope, 
And Satan's like, yep, you're right. Takes it away. He loves to do that. He loves to come in and say, yeah, they're lying to you. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, you're the exception to the rule. So that's what fell on the path. Look at 20. So as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. We know those people, right? I mean, like, the, the word of the kingdom hits their heart, and they're like, yes, want it, love it, believe it. And tons of joy and tons of life, and they just, man, they're, they're, they're in it. Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately... He falls away. In 5 and 6, it says the sun comes out and just scorches it. It's got to have roots. It has to have a, a, a root system of some sort. And so the implication is that the soil, is, it's not the path anymore. This is like good soil, um, but there are rocks there. There's so many rocks that when that seed starts to sprout and look for soil to dig into, they can't because it's just hitting these rocks. You don't get nutrients from rocks. You don't get any, any of the things that plants need from rocks. And so it does the best it can on its own. It's kind of like doing okay. And then maybe there's a little bit of soil. But eventually it's going to need more than that little bit of soil is able to provide. And all these rocks are blocking it. And so that's the case sometimes with us where we're, you know, you, you hear that and you're on board. And, but sometimes people, they don't, they don't know what to do past that, you know. Like I think this, I think people who are undiscipled, this kind of fits in this category, you know. They do whatever. They walk the aisle, pray the prayer, whatever it takes. But then there's no, there's no um, believers to come alongside of them and say, hey, all right, let's, let's, Let's start meeting a little bit. Let me kind of help you learn your way through this. Because every person who comes to know the Lord, they still have like all this baggage, you know. They still have all these rocks in the soil that need to be removed. They're still being lied to by the world. They still have the enemy trying to come in and, and take away that truth. They still have hurts and wounds and family issues and friend issues and all, this, all these rocks that are in there. And so to take root, you need, like you need community to come in and be like, hey, let's, let's work our way through this. Let's remove this hindrance out of your heart. Let's, let's talk through this wound. Let's talk through this lie. Let's talk through this painful experience. And so community is used by God to go in and get the rocks out. That's a part of what ministry is to one another. People say, why do you do community groups? So there's a number of reasons. This is one of them, is that this word of the kingdom has, has started to sprout in us. Maybe those roots start to go out, and it's, it's hitting this rock. It's hitting this pain, this wound, this lie that you're believing. It's, it's hitting this obstacle, and you aren't sure what to do with it. And so you share it with your friends. You share it with your community group, and... People will respond, hopefully, and pray for you and 
through the power of God, that rock maybe starts to come out. But if that's not happening, if community's not functioning properly, then you have a bunch of people who are really excited and the word of the kingdom starting to make some sense, but then all the rocks and obstructions in there keep it from whatever. And so as soon as it starts to sprout a little bit and some life starts to happen, and then things get difficult. It says tribulation, persecution because of the word. Some sort of strife comes their way and they just burn out. Because they, they aren't rooted in community and they aren't rooted theologically in enough things to know how to navigate your way through tribulation and persecution like it says there. To know how do I deal with what's happened to me in the past? How do I deal with watching the news? And how do I deal with how good my life is and how bad some other people's lives are? And, or how bad my life is and how good other people's lives are? And how do I deal with that? When you don't have roots in community, you don't have roots theologically, you burn out. And that's what happens. That's what we see there in this parable. Is sprouts up at first with tons of joy, but then things get difficult and it doesn't survive. And we see it all the time. In the church, it happens all the time. And so that's the seed that fell along the rocky ground. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. There's enough, enough good soil for the seed to grow. And if you ever had like a flower bed or you know, like a garden or whatever, you get the, seed, you get the soil like good and ready, and you plant everything out there, and where there's good soil, Somehow weeds and thorns and this weird stuff starts to like pop up just as easily. So you have the word of the kingdom that's growing in somebody's heart. You also have uh, what Jesus describes as uh, cares of the world, okay? anxiety, stress, worry, distraction, all the things we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. That's also growing up alongside this truth about the kingdom. The deceitfulness of wealth, materialism, uh, being distracted by just like pretty shiny things, you know, whatever, uh, is also growing up, growing up alongside this truth about the kingdom. And if you've ever done any sort of gardening, you know that for some reason, what you're wanting to dominate the flower bed or the garden does not dominate naturally. That for some reason... Seems like the those like weeds and thorns and just random things that pop up are they're strong. And that's kind of what happens in the hearts of some people is that here here is God doing this incredible work. At the same time, there's all this other stuff that's growing up as well. And he says that's that's what happens sometimes. And then he lands at the end, he says. Uh, 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who, there's two things, hears the word and understands it. Hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. See this, this is, just to be clear, this is God's intention for everybody that's ever lived. 
is for the word of the kingdom to land in their heart and for it to grow unhindered and produce a ton of fruit. And this is what we've been reading and praying through this week uh, through 30 Days of Prayer. And if you aren't getting those emails, I encourage you to go to the website, sign up for the email. There's a lot for us to learn about the vine and the branches. And one of the things we've been sitting in this week is that, like, make no, like, no mistake about it, like, God wants us to be fruit-bearing people. Fruit that indicates the goodness of the vine and the goodness of the one in charge of the vine. God's intention for all of us is that the, those seeds of the gospel of the kingdom would flourish in our lives. And I read this today that when it says a hundredfold, 60 or 30, like to them, a tenfold crop was, was like pretty good. Fifteenfold crop was unheard of. And so Jesus, he's just blown that out of the water for these farmers and saying that when this happens, the production of life is just going to blow your mind. And so I think for us to be disciples seated at his feet saying, okay, this is the parable. He's told us the parable, which didn't make a lot of sense. And then he explained it, which is starting to make some sense. What... What, is, what, what are we supposed to take away from this? You know, what, what's for us? And I know this you know, it may not make a whole lot of sense, some of the things that I've gone through, but I think if we can, can take some broad strokes away at first and say, okay, understand that we're talking about the kingdom of God taking root in people's heart. And there are things that are happening in different people's lives that are are causing the seed to have a different sort of lifespan, a different sort of, you know, whatever. And I think we have to try to find ourselves and find others and figure out what are some of the things that we want to take away. And so if you go back to the the seed that falls along the path, for some people, you you have friends and family members who who do not, they don't know Jesus, and they don't want anything to do with Him, really. And that's baffling to you. Because you really dig him, and it makes he makes sense to you, and you want them to know him the way that you know him. And so, in that case, I think let the Lord like teach you from this. So, like, okay, the seed that's being scattered into their lives about the kingdom, the truth about the kingdom, for some of them, it's landing on a heart of stone. And there's nothing that you can do about that. So the pressure is off of you to save anybody. We don't save anyone. Jesus saves them. So what is, what is your role in that? What is your role if you're talking about a, a close friend, close family member, or you're talking about just the billions of people around the planet who don't know him? What's, what's the role there? I think it's twofold. I think one thing that, that we do is that we are faithful just to beg the Lord for their salvation. To, to just beg Him to till up that soil. Because He's the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can remove a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh and cross them from death to life. He's the only one that can do that. And so, if that's you and you have that burden... Or if you don't have that burden, you need to get that burden. We need that burden. But it's not a sense of responsibility that we are the ones that save them. 
We're the ones that need to be steadily coming before the Lord saying, please, please, please. I think the other thing that you do, if that's, if that's you, is be a faithful farmer. Because you, you never know when that scattered seed and word about the kingdom is going to take root. You don't know when that exchange life has happened. You don't know when God has been at work. And you don't know how many times you being faithful to love them and be gracious to them and what, whatever that looks like, just being obedient in their lives, to be faithful with them. Super important. Now, if you're dealing with someone who you know, like you know that they're a Christian, but they've just become very hardened by sins or by pain and different wounds or lies or whatever, and and it's like it's like all that goodness they just deflect it because they're hardened of heart. I think in their lives, I think we can play a little more active role. I think in those lives, God will send us in. To like bust up the ground a little bit. And so with them, I think you have to come before the Lord. You say, okay, I know, I know this person is saved, but I know that, that, there's, that the truth of the kingdom is not taking root for some reason because they are hardened. Lord, I need, you, I need you to just show me how I can help till that ground up. I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, and I've seen it at you know, different points, and there would have, you know, I've come from all farmers on all sides of the family and they'd have this you know a tiller and they would get they had all these teeth on it and there'd just be like just grass sitting there and they get the tiller going and that joker just would just stir all this stuff up and in a matter of you know an afternoon now you have all this fresh dirt that's all turned up i think god sends the church in to do that like he sends us out there to till up the ground I think if you, if you take the church, the scriptures, and creation, I think those are three of the most powerful things that, that the Spirit of God uses to get into people's lives and just stir things up. Now, you didn't create anything. You can't go out and be like, hey, let me show you this picture of the Grand Canyon. God made that. You know? That's kind of up to Him to like, you know, reveal His character and stuff through nature. And maybe, maybe going to them and yelling the Bible at them is not the best approach. But I believe that through His church, He sends us into people's lives to love them, to tell them the truth, to tell them to quit being lied to, to be gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and rich in love, to be a reflection of Him in every way. I believe He sends us in and He empowers our efforts and we're used to till up those who are hardened of heart because of those painful things. And so if that's you, and if you're burdened for someone that you know they're a believer, but you know there's all this, this hardness of heart that's there, I think you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I know that you give me a relationship with them, and that is not random. Show me what you want me to do. I'll do it. That's what ministry is. That's why ministry is not something that's reserved just for the people who went to seminary or people who work on a church staff. It's for all of us. We just need to go love people, love them the way Jesus loves them, and He uses us to be a tiller to get that soil turned up. Now, if, if, if you 
or someone that's close to you or whatever, if they fit more in, you guys, whatever, fit into the, more of the rocky ground, you know, where there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of uh, root that's happened in community or in, like, theological whatever, if it's you, then guess what? You need to open up your life. Because this is going to happen to you. At some point, you're, you're going to not be able to grow any deeper than you are because there are obstructions there. And if you're not rooted in theological understanding of who God is and who you are and all those things, and if you don't have people in your life that are helping to remove those obstructions, you're going to fizzle out. And some of you are sitting in this room and you're like, that is exactly what has happened to me. And probably it's because you're super closed off. Because you won't let people in. You're afraid to admit that this happened to you or you did this or you're currently doing this or you don't know how to get past this or whatever. And you won't let people in and you won't even let Jesus in. And that's what's happening to you. There's these big obstructions. And Jesus looks at us and he says, guess what? I can get those rocks out. You can't get those rocks out. I can get those rocks out. I'll use the scriptures. I'll use my spirit. I'll use creation. I'll use my church. So if that's you, you've got to admit, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the girl with the rocky soil. And I need some help. And if, that's, if this is someone that you know, someone you're like trying to figure out, why... Why is he this way? Why is she, why is she this way? Well, this, maybe it's part of it. And if they're closed off and they won't, you know, whatever, then God wants to send you in as a faithful farmer to help remove the obstructions. This is, this is ministry to people. That's all it is. God says, hey, that person, giant boulder in their heart. Let's go get it. Let's go take it, put some dynamite in it, blow it into smaller boulders. We'll start removing them one by one. That's what God does. A couple years ago, we were in Mexico and uh, in La Madrid, back behind the church. They had this, this area back there and um, just nothing but rocks everywhere. And we're like, this would be a great place for like, kids to play and to come and do some stuff. We're, like, we're just going to clear all the rocks out of this thing. And some of you were probably there. And it was like four days like picking up rocks. And we tried everything, every motivational tool that was there, whatever. Tried to pick up as many rocks as we could. And by the end, uh, we were dragging it like it was a baseball infield at one point with a cyclone fence. And it was, like, it, was looking, it was looking awesome. And on the last day, uh, they sent me to take the trash to the trash pit because they burn all their trash. And in the back corner of the lot, there's like this hole. And it's probably five feet deep. And they just throw trash in it and burn it. And it's just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. And I look down, and it's like uh, five feet of just layers of rocks after rock after rock after rock. And I was like, I ain't telling anybody about that. <laughs> and sure enough, the next time we went, that whole field was filled with rocks again. Because below that dirt, there was just more rocks. And below that dirt, there was more rocks. And it was just layers and layers of rocks. And sometimes that's how people are. It's just, just when, you, when you think you've gotten all the rocks out, you found out that, guess what, there's stuff we didn't see that was there. Or you've been working with somebody and, and God's like, helped them get the rocks out, and you take one out and they throw two back in. Like, what? Okay, so you take one out and they throw three back in. But we hang in there together, because guess what? None of us, none of us 
are completely free of all of our issues yet. We're all being progressively sanctified, and we just need that help. Maybe, maybe, the, third, maybe the third one, maybe it's the thorns and the, and the weeds and stuff that are growing up in your life. You know what? One of the best things I think about living in community is that we're used to help, uh, to help remove the weeds and thorns from each other's lives. See, no, no healthy garden uh, do you, is like where you just like plant all the seeds and then you like come back like four months later. Every successful garden that bears a lot of fruit, it's tended, tended to daily. Both my grandfathers had gardens. They didn't skip a day. It was part of it. They tended to that every day. And they both had gardens that produced a ton of fruit. And so we live in community together because you never know when worries and anxieties and deceitfulness of wealth are growing up alongside that stuff of the kingdom. And so we're helping constantly just take the weeds out with each other. And so when people say, I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to be in a community group because it's, I don't know, it's not really my thing, not really my whatever. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine, but here's Jesus saying, like, here's a group of people and you're all there together uh, with the purpose of letting me show you how to remove the weeds and rocks out of each other's lives so that the word of the kingdom can flourish. So if you want to say no to that, you're saying no to how I've put the ring together, but also the larger church together. You're kind of just like telling me, I'm okay, I can tend to the garden myself. And we can for a little while, but that's not how he made us. And I'm not trying to promote the fact that community groups are starting tomorrow, it's just coincidence. But they are. And this semester, guess what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to share our stories because we need to know each other. We need to be confessional about the rocks and the thorns and the weeds and the hardness of heart that exists. And some of that's happening naturally, but we're just going to kind of force it because I think that's what Jesus wants. Because if we're going to be good soil that produces tons and tons and tons of fruit, then we've got to tend to it daily and we've got to help each other. And Jesus comes to us and says, guess what? I'll guide this whole process. I'm in charge of all this. This entire garden is mine. I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to use all of you to help me. And so I hope that you are blessed by this to know that Jesus cares about the rocks and the thorns and the weeds enough to wire us up and put everything together and orchestrate things perfectly so that we can remain good soil. We just got to let him do it. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for uh, just not letting us just sit in our own confusion and pain and whatever. And thankful, God, that, that you care enough about us to to turn up that soil and to take the word of the kingdom and to plant it in our hearts. And that sometimes you remove those obstructions yourself. I mean, you just supernaturally reach into our lives and get it done. And other times you use the Bible, and other times you use a sunset, and other times you use the people that you put us in community with. 
But God, the care that you give to us is just phenomenal. That you don't look at us and just say, well, I saved them, so I'll just kind of let it, let it go. But no, your desire is that we would bring forth fruit that glorifies you and that draws others in. And so, Lord, I don't, I don't know where this parable lands with everybody that's here, but you do. And just trusting, God, that this is not a random message for us tonight, but it is purposed and that there are takeaways for all of us. And for now, the big takeaway, God, is just looking to you as, as our great caregiver who oversees our lives and cares very deeply about his children. You care about our hearts. We thank you, God, for that provision and care. And we just, in these closing moments, we just rest in that.